0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. And so today we're going to look in Matthew 21. Matthew 21, I'll read in just a little bit, verses 1 through 11. Um, you know, I'm a nerd, I love old TV shows, I love game shows, and I, I like watching the videos of some of the old uh, TV shows. And uh, there were some TV, there were some old game shows where you had to try and guess who someone was. There was this particular show called What's My Line. It was on in the 50s and 60s, maybe even gone into the 70s. But it was called What's My Line, and there would be this panel of celebrity judges, and they would, uh, you know, they, they would ask questions of normal, first, like the first section of it was just normal people who were coming. And, you know, they would ask questions, and they would try and figure out what their job was, what their line of... Uh, Uh, what their line was so to speak but then in the second half or second part of the show the judges would be blindfolded and a special celebrity guest would come and they would have to ask yes or no questions and try and figure out who this special celebrity guest was. Now uh, they do have things kind of similar uh, in our day and age if you've ever watched uh, The Masked Singer you know, the, the mass Singer is the, these famous people, these celebrities, be it singers, actors, sports people, whatever, who are in these costumes and they sing. And so between the singing and uh, this clue package that they give, they try and figure out who in the world uh, these, these people are. You know, they, they ask the question, they, they hear this singing, they, they get, see the clue package, they ask the question, I mean, who is this? Who is this? Well, I bring those shows up because for 2,000 years, the world has been playing a game Somewhat similar, because they have looked at the person of Jesus Christ, and for 2,000 years, people have been asking, who is this? They've been debating the true identity of Jesus Christ. Not that Jesus hasn't made it abundantly clear who he is. It's just that a vast majority of people in this world do not like the answers that he has given to that question. And so instead of accepting the Jesus for who he is, who he revealed himself to be, they, they try and make up a Jesus who will better suit their tastes, a Jesus of their own. The problem is that a Jesus that is made up is not the Jesus who lived and died, rose again, it's not the Jesus who rules and reigns from on high. Not the Jesus at the right hand of the Father. They have a very inadequate Jesus. They have the wrong Jesus. And an inadequate Jesus and a wrong Jesus isn't going to do anybody any good. Only the Jesus of Scripture will do us any good. We need to know who he is. Only the Jesus of history. Only jesus as he has revealed himself will do us any good will do the world any good we need this jesus not just the jesus that the world makes up what we find in the passage that we're looking at today is so the, the jews they still had a hard time trying to figure out who jesus was but now he's coming into jerusalem and they have some right ideas about who Jesus is, but it, all their ideas were incomplete. All their ideas were inadequate. And the problem is there's a lot of people today who are in the same boat. They, 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 they have some right ideas about Jesus, but it's mixed in with a whole lot of wrong ideas about Jesus. And the sad thing is a lot of those who have a wrong idea of who Jesus is Preachers out there, and so today there are people sitting in pews listening to a preacher who is giving them an inadequate Jesus, a wrong Jesus. Lord, help me, may that never be me. May I always show the, the right Jesus, but that the Jews they, they have Jesus all wrong. Unfortunately, a lot of people today have Jesus all wrong. Wrong, and what we, we ne- what we need to take away from this is that only an understanding of the true Christ, only an understanding of his identity, his true identity, will he be any help for salvation and life? Only the true Christ is life-changing. Only the true Christ is life-impacting. We want this Christ. We don't want to accept any substitutes, as the old commercial said way back. And so we want to make sure we have the right ideas of who Christ is so for our own lives, but then so we can share that Christ with others. We want to make sure we're not sharing a wrong Christ with anybody else. So who is this? Who is this Christ? Well, we'll see by his words and by his actions, he is we're gonna see also how the Jews got it kind of fell short how their idea of Jesus was very inadequate so I want to read verses 1 through 11 of Matthew 21 if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives then Jesus sent two disciples And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, through your Holy Spirit, help us see Jesus for who he is. And may we cling to that truth, because we need him, oh, so desperately. And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So we know this as the triumphal entry. Jesus had been ministering for three and a half years. He made his way from Galilee, then through Jericho. He's making his way to Jerusalem. We know, looking back on history, it's for him to be crucified, to be buried, and to be raised again. But he goes through Jericho. He's making his way to Jerusalem. He comes to the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. Before him is Bethphage. There's another village that's near there called Bethany. So he sends disciples to get him, get him a ride. He makes his way into Jerusalem. It's Passover time. And so there were many pilgrims who had been following Jesus from Galilee, from Jericho, and on the way to Jerusalem. And then there were people in Jerusalem who heard he was coming. So they came out of the city to find him and usher him into the city. And there's all this commotion going on. All this stuff going on, it says in verse 9 that the whole city was stirred up. And the question comes up from the people, who is this? Who in the world could cause such a stir? Why, why in the world is Jerusalem in such an upheaval for this Jesus? Maybe to put it kind of in slang, what's all the hubbub about? Who is he? Who is this unfortunately the answers that the jews gave were i mean they they were true but they were not the full picture i mean you know we read some of them said well this is the prophet from nazareth of galilee i mean yes jesus had a prophetic office but you know what he's so much more than that now i think they also were thinking because of what they say that he this this might be the messiah but their idea of the messiah was very different from god's idea of the messiah because they were thinking okay if this is the messiah he's going to bring he's going to bring israel back to its earthly glory we're going to get rid of all the gentile oppressors and we're going to have glory again on this earth but that was not it that was not the full picture of who he was and what it was he was going to accomplish yes they had some truths about jesus but they didn't have the full truth they didn't have a grasp on his true identity but what's interesting is we read this passage his words and his actions actually are a revelation of who he is and through his words and actions we get a fuller understanding of who Jesus is so we can make sure that we have the true Jesus not some fake we need the true Jesus if we if we follow a faulty Jesus if we have faulty ideas of who Jesus is, we need to get rid of those. And and, because if we have a wrong Jesus, we're not gonna be blessed by him and we're not gonna be blessed by the work that he can do. And honestly, depending on how far you fall off about who Jesus is, you will not find eternal life with a wrong Jesus. So we wanna make sure we get that straightened out. We wanna make sure we know who this is. So, what did he reveal about himself in this this particular passage? Well, number one, he revealed that he is the sovereign God. Jesus is the sovereign God. What we find in our passage is that that Jesus exhibited traits and characteristics that can only be attributed to God. We see uh, in in this passage, okay, so he's approaching Jerusalem, he's on the eastern side, slope of the mountain olives and jerusalem is on the other side of the mount of olives and they haven't even made it to the village of bethphage yet but he sends disciples ahead of him to this village and he tells them what they're going to find and what they're going to do and what's going to he tells them exactly what's going to happen but they haven't even gotten there yet okay that village that's way ahead of us you guys run ahead You're going to find this donkey and this colt. You're going to get them. They're They're going to ask you, why are you doing that? And you just tell them the Lord needs them. You bring them to me. They hadn't made it to the village yet. How did Jesus know there was going to be this donkey, there was going to be this colt, that they were going to be confronted? How did he know that? Because he's God. And being God, he knows everything. I mean, we talk about God being omniscient. So that's an important tra- attribute that we notice. Jesus has omniscience. Yes, in his humanity, and you know, we always got to be careful how we talk about the interaction between you know, his humanity and his divinity, but he had omniscience. And so we see divine knowledge. Only God has that kind of knowledge, but it, goes beyond, it even goes beyond mere knowledge. Because Jesus didn't only supernaturally know that those animals were going to be there for his use. We see Jesus' divinity in the fact that he ordained that they were going to be there. And this is what he was going to do. He, through his divine sovereignty, had it all set up so that he could fulfill prophecy that I'll talk about in just a moment. So in his sovereign providence, he had those animals prepared. Jesus is the God who sovereignly controls the affairs of the world, even the smallest details. And what this reminds us of is that whatever is going on in our lives, be it big, be it small, we might think something's important or we might think something's unimportant, it does not matter. Jesus is divinely sovereign over all of it. There is nothing that happens without his knowledge. He has control of every situation that there is. He is God. But now, we make that point and we want to ask something that honestly, this is the biggest question that probably unbelievers have, but it's something that gets on our heart as well. Okay, so you're telling me Preacher, that Jesus is sovereignly, sovereignly in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Why is there evil? Why is there trouble? Why is there tribulation? Why, if he's sovereignly in control, why does he allow these things to happen? Well, obviously that's a big question. There's a lot of reasons why there's evil on this earth. I mean, one, we have, to, you know, we have to remember that God gave humanity some free will. And often we use that free will in ways that are detrimental to ourselves and, and others. So a lot of times we could be the source of our own problems. But now we also know that Jesus is the one who redeems and he restores. And... he he can help us he can even help us he can help save us from our own stupidity praise god for that i know he saved me many a times from my own stupidity so and you know to go along with that it 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 tells us about humanity's nature because of sin we do stupid stuff because of sin man's nature is twisted and and sinful And, and so Mankind will use their, their will and, and their energies for many wicked, selfish things. And people are affected by their choices. I mean, even Christians can either be the source of the problem or they, they can be the, on the receiving end of the problem. But it's because sin came into the world. And then also, we have to remember that because of sin and because all of creation is cursed thanks to us, Some things sometimes, you know, disasters happen. Bad things happen, and we, God, Christ, who is God, whose thinking is above our thinking, whose ways are way beyond our ways, who knows the end from the beginning, He may allow some things. Because in the end, he'll actually turn it into some good. You know, there is the wickedness of man, there is natural disasters, but Paul tells us that he can take this wickedness, he can take these disasters, and somehow he can use it, he can work it out for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. How? Well, I mean, we don't know all the reasons why or how or or things like that, but sometimes he uses it for character development. Sometimes he uses it for training. Sometimes he uses it for discipline. Sometimes he uses it for correction. Sometimes he uses it as a way to call people to himself. But Jesus, being God, is sovereign over it all. And so in those times when we do not understand, Sometimes when our theology and our feelings seem to be butting heads together, all we can do is remember who He is and His character and what He has revealed about Himself in Scripture, that He loves us that he will never leave us nor forsake us and even when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death he says he is with us his rod and his staff comfort us we're not alone when we walk through those valleys and so yes we may not understand why we may not understand what we may not understand a thing but we do understand who We understand that it's Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is the one who will walk with us through it all. But not only is Jesus the sovereign God, secondly, we find that Jesus is the fulfiller of prophecy. And really, we could say that Jesus is the fulfiller of prophecy and promises. So we're told in verse 4 that not only was Jesus sovereign over what was about to happen, but he was going to directly fulfill what we would call Old Testament prophecy that was written hundreds of years beforehand. And so here Matthew combines, uh, com- combines a verse from Isaiah with a verse from Zechariah to demonstrate that you know, these words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit hundreds of years before Jesus was born, they were going to be fulfilled by Jesus right at that moment. Jesus fulfills prophecy, not that necessarily every prophecy in the Old Testament is about him, but honestly, all of prophecy and all of Scripture is about God and his plan of redemption for mankind, and guess what? Jesus is the plan. So in a sense, everything points to him, and he fulfills it. Since he fulfills prophecy, he also fulfills promises. He is the one who fulfills the word of God. So the sovereign plan of God was to bring sinful humanity back to himself. God sent Jesus to die, to take God's wrath upon himself so that he would call people to repentance and belief, forgive their sins, and bring them into the kingdom. And Paul tells us these things were in motion before the foundation of the world. This is how much God loved humanity. He already had the plan in place. And so we're reading Scripture, we're reading the Old Testament. You know what? The Old Testament points forward to Christ. We're reading the New Testament. Well, the New Testament points backwards to Christ. It's all about Christ. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, Jesus is the yes and the amen of all the promises and prophecies of God. So that means if there's a promise in Scripture that within its context We can claim for ourselves you know there's a lot of promises in scripture that aren't about us not everything is about us but the things that are about us the promises that we can take for our own they find their fulfillment in christ the prophecies that we're pointing forward to a savior they find their fulfillment in christ everything is fulfilled in christ and if there's any prophecies and promises that aren't fulfilled yet well guess what That just means it's going to be fulfilled at his second coming. Even so come, Lord Jesus come. We look forward to that as well. It's all found in Christ. We don't look for promises to be fulfilled in ourselves. We don't look to the world to fulfill the promises. We don't look to some sharp-tongued preacher to fulfill the promises. Jesus Christ is where we find our hope. the anticipation of eternity and so it is only through Jesus and only through the Jesus that is revealed in Scripture not the false Jesuses that are out there only through him do we have a living hope only through him do we have every good and perfect gift only through him do we find refreshment for our soul only through him will we be raised from the dead we don't look to ourselves we don't look to the world we don't look to our family we don't look to the celebrities. We don't look to the latest TikTok influencer. You're surprised the 50 year old even knows what a TikTok influencer is. That's why I have kids, right? You de- de- definitely don't look to like TikTok influencers, mm. you look to Jesus. Because He is the sovereign God, and He is the fulfiller of prophecy. And not just that, number three, Jesus is the authoritative King. He is the authoritative King. When when you look at those prophecies that are described here in in verse 5, they speak of Him as being the King, right? Behold, your King is coming. But Jesus, you know, and that's the Jews. The Jews are like, yeah, here comes our King, and He's going to do this, that, the other thing. But He is not just King of the Jews. He is King over everything. He is king over everyone he is king of the entire world he's in charge i mean it it begins in the hearts of those who believe but there will be a day when he rules and reigns over his people in a new heaven and a new earth but it, it It's not just, okay, he's king of the Jews, I'm a Gentile, it's not about me. Daniel chapter 7 says he would be given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. That means us. That means Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, is king over us. Guess what that means? he's in charge and you are not not you so not you know that that would be enough if if it was just that prophecy okay your king is coming he's fulfilling that prophecy there's the king but his his it's interesting how to make sure that that we know that he is king and what matthew describes for us here and well the other gospels as well about his triumphal entry because the actions that jesus took in this passage They declare his kingship. So, you know, here comes the king, but he's riding a donkey. And, you know, frankly, that sounds weird to us. Okay, he's riding the colt of a donkey. And when you think of king, you normally think of some big, strong steed or something like that. But but a king who would come on a steed was either coming to conquer or was coming after a victory in battle. But a king that would come on a donkey or a mule or whatever was coming in peace. Jesus was coming to bring peace between humanity and God. And so he's riding this donkey, and the things that are, are, are pictured for us in the Old Testament are just very interesting. Because when you look at Jewish history, the inauguration of a king included riding a donkey or a mule into the city. So for example, in 1 Kings chapter 1, David had Solomon ride his mule into Jerusalem to be inaugurated as king because Solomon was chosen to reign in David's place. And so there's this tradition of kings riding into the city on a mule, donkey, things like that. And not only that, there was this tradition in Jewish history of lying the garments on the ground before the king as he was ushered in for his inauguration. For example, in 2 Corinthians 9, when Jehu was anointed to be king over the northern kingdom of Israel, the people laid out their garments before him, blowing the trumpet, proclaiming that Jehu was king. And so here is Jesus on a donkey, the colt of a donkey. People are placing their garments and, and placing palm leaves before him. I mean, the Jews the Jews knew prophecy and the jews knew their history so by doing that they were recognizing him as king of course later in the week they find out well he wasn't the king they were expecting unfortunately even in our day and age jesus is not the king that people are expecting nor the king that they're wanting but guess what he is king matthew is showing us Jesus is coming into Jerusalem as king. He is king. He rules and he reigns. He makes the laws. He makes the commandments for us to follow. But he might not be the king that was being expected. He might not be the king that people in their natural state even want. But guess what? It doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you expect. Jesus is king, whether you recognize it or not. God didn't take it up for a vote and say, okay, who do you want to be king? Let's take it up for a vote. God said in Psalm 2, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. God's the one that installed him. doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what you recognize. Doesn't matter your opinion. Jesus is king. That means he is the authority. Not you. Not some slick tongued preacher. Not some preacher who says some kind of crazy stuff. Jesus alone is king. And so if you want to say you're following Jesus, you want to say you want to follow the Jesus that exists, that means you place yourself under his authority, under his rule. That means you follow and obey what he says. What did Jesus say? You know what? If you love me, what did he say? You're going to keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, you're going to make a public declaration, even though you know, that is part of it, and then just kind of live your life as you want to. He didn't say that, you know what, you can, you can make a decision at a church and then you can live as independently from me as you want. That's what most people do. That's what most people want, even people in a church. Look, I want Jesus for the hell insurance, the fire insurance, but I don't want him telling me what to do. I don't want him telling me how to live my life. I want I, I just want to get out of hell and then do what I want that's not how it works. Jesus is king. if we want to call ourselves Christians and we want to call ourselves that hey I belong to Jesus guess what we place ourselves under his authority that's why he is also called Lord. believe in the Lord, Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's in charge. He's our authority. Very quickly, Jesus also is the Savior and Messiah. Jesus is the Savior Messiah. As Jesus is entering the city, the crowds shout, Hosanna to the Son of David. This is a quote from Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. That word Hosanna, it was given more as, at this time, maybe a phrase of honor, but in the original Hebrew and Aramaic, Hosanna means, please save us. And the title, Son of David, was known to be about the Messiah. It was a Messianic title. So in a sense, you could say, here are these people crying out, save us. Messiah, and from the perspective of the Jews at that time, what they were thinking when they were crying that out to Jesus was, Deliver us from our oppressors, our earthly oppressors, deliver us from our earthly oppressors, them Gentiles, them Romans. But you know what? Little did they know, yes, Jesus was coming to get them out from oppression, but it wasn't the oppression of the Gentiles. See, all of humanity is under an oppression that is a lot bigger than some nation or empire. Mankind is under the oppression of sin and death. That's the worst oppressor you could ever be under, and Jesus came to deliver and save people from that. And people are looking for that. You know, whether they recognize it or not, maybe they even don't even fully understand it, or not, the heart of every man and woman in this world is crying out, For deliverance from the oppression of sin and death, because everyone knows that this world is messed up, and everyone knows if they're honest with themselves that they're messed up. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, everything about us is broken. We are broken people. I mean, yeah, we like to come to church and and put on a face. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I guess it would sound weird you go up to someone hey how are you doing I'm broken man okay but it's the truth we're broken and there's only one who can make that right it's the Jesus of Scripture we live in a broken world and we are broken people and we might not even verbalize it but our spirits are crying out for wholeness and health but people look for deliverance from all sorts of different places. They begin to look at the things in the world. They look, even look to sin for some solace. They think that, that for some reason we think all these things that aren't going to last, all these fleeting temporary things of the world can somehow fix us, but they can't. It's like trying to put a Band-Aid on the Hoover Dam if the Hoover Dam was cracked and was about to explode. A band-aid sure ain't going to cut it. Your soul cries out for healing and restoration. Your soul also knows that you have broken the laws of a holy God and His justice is upon you. You cannot hide from the judgment of God. Guess what? God has provided a Savior, Messiah, who fixes the broken and saves the sinner. That is our Jesus, but it's only the Jesus of Scripture. And so, you might be crying out, and the world might be crying out, who is this? Now we know. He is the sovereign God. He is the fulfiller of prophecy. He is the authoritative king. He is the Savior, Messiah. This is Jesus. Now let me give you some real, very quick application to our lives. First, This is the only Jesus to seek for your needs. Whatever it is that that you feel that you need, only this Jesus can help you. The Jesus of pop psychology cannot help you. Only the Jesus of Scripture can give you a long-term solution to whatever it is you're going through physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And Jesus not only has the answer, he is the answer to it all so instead of seeking the world instead of trying to drown your anxieties in in sin the pleasures of sin you know to try and help you cope turn it over to the one who is hope and that is jesus christ next this is the only jesus worthy of your praise i mean you have a choice of who you're going to worship you can worship a false god you can worship yourself that's what most people worship you can worship the sun, moon, and stars. Whatever, wherever it is that you put ultimate worth, that's what you're going to worship. But everything else that isn't Jesus is an idol. And that includes the Jesuses that don't match up to the way that he, he revealed Himself. I mean, you got your guru Jesus. You got your Dr. Phil Jesus. You got your prosperity Jesus. Those Jesus are not worthy of your worship. The, word, the Jesus of Scripture, the one true Jesus, He is worthy of of worship so worship him and then finally this is the only jesus that can save your soul there is no other no other jesus is going to forgive your sins and usher you into heaven you can believe in this jesus and be saved because this jesus is the one that died for you who rose again to give you eternal life this is this is the jesus who revealed himself to be the sovereign god the fulfiller of prophecy the authoritative king the savior messiah He's the only one that can uniquely save. And so seek him out. So today, if you're a Christian, maybe you need to come to the altar and, and turn from whatever idols you have in your life. Whatever you're giving your worth to that isn't Jesus, turn it over and turn to him. Or maybe you've never trusted in Jesus. You've trusted in a lot of different things. you believed in a lot of different things. Have you believed in the Jesus of Scripture? the Jesus that revealed himself. I'll be down here during the invitation, you come down, you give your life to Jesus. Because there is no other, no other Savior than Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltriana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening. And God bless.